glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I asked them to shut that door. I didn't know who might sneak in behind me up in there. <laughs> so good to be in God's house this morning. My name is Pastor Greg, in case you don't know. Um, I've been away in South America, and um, I was hoping I would lose 20 pounds while I was gone, but they fed me way too well, so I'll just have to try that now that I'm home. I don't know. But it's good to be back. It's good to see you this morning, and good to be back with you today. Thank you for allowing me to go, and I think maybe in a few Sundays I might share some some highlights from the trip and, and share some things, but this month is going to be a missions month in regards to giving, and Pastor Brad came and talked to you this morning and showed the great video about the YWEA Giving Project, World Missions So everything that is given in the offerings this morning at the end of the service that is not designated to the Nortonsville Church of God or designated to something else will go to that project today. And as a way for us to rejoice and celebrate the faithfulness of God during the pandemic, and how many knows God was faithful and is faithful God was faithful to everybody in this church. He was faithful to every family, every couple, every person in this church. God was faithful, wasn't he? And he still is faithful. God was faithful to this corporate body, to this church. And pretty soon I will be giving you a financial report uh, and you're just going to be really astounded, astonished uh, as what God has done in our church and in our church finances over the last year, year and a half. And I look forward to sharing those details with you, but God is faithful, amen? So every Sunday this month, as a testimony to God, as an act of worship for his faithfulness, we're going to give away our non-designated offerings to missions. Today is YWEA. Next Sunday will be Feeding Green, and there was a big article online, a big article uh, in the newspaper lately about uh, Feeding Green, and they need help. They need, there are a lot of people that they are helping right now. So next week, our offering will go to Feeding Green. Uh, The third week of the month, our offering will go to the Home for Children in Sevierville, Tennessee for orphans. And then the last week of June, our offering will go to the Columbia Bible School, and that's where I visited this last uh, couple of weeks. So anything that you don't mark, designate it to Nortonsville Church of God. And what I mean by that is when you pay your tithe, you mark that to Nortonsville Church of God. But any offering, if you don't mark that, then it's going to go to these missions projects. If you want it to go to something else, then make sure you mark that. Is everybody clear on that? If not, see me after church and I'll show you. (laughs) But we're going to give, we're going to bless others. Amen? And we are a giving church. Can I get a big amen on that? We are a giving church and we believe in giving to other ministries and blessing people. And that's why God blesses us so much here. Amen? Uh, I'm a little disappointed that I missed the first big meal. Who scheduled that while I was away? I just want to know. I guess I was part of that planning, huh? But I saw all those pictures while I was in Columbia and all those people and all that food, the first church-wide meal in, what, 13 or 14 months, and I missed it. So we're going to have to schedule something pretty soon so I can be a part of that. But what a great day last week. Thank you all of our ladies who did so much, Miss Fernell and Miss Charlotte and all the, all the crew and all of you and our pastoral team and uh, everybody that just put all that together and participated. 
And I also understand that it was a big day between both services and factoring out any duplicates who were at both, that was factored out. The attendance was 195. Now, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that a good day? So we thank the Lord for that as well. Maybe I should leave the country more often. I don't know. (laughs) Everybody showed up when I was gone, right? But I thank the Lord. What a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you, Pastor Daryl, who preached a wonderful sermon two weeks ago, and my wife, who, who preached a wonderful sermon last week. Her jokes were not as good as mine, but she did a good job. Uh, so <laughs> somebody texted me while I was there, a friend texted me, uh, quote, unquote, friend, while I was there, and he said to me, you know, about how good the guest speaker was Sunday, and, and he said, there's a little bit of talk of, of maybe you being replaced, and I want you to know about that before you get back here, and, and so uh, my friend, you know, quote, unquote, but he said, now don't you worry about any of that while you're away, don't you, don't you worry about that. I won't preach to you this morning, it's good to visit with you, and it's good to be back in the house of the Lord. I want to continue on in our sermon series, The Basics of Life. We have got to get back to the basics of life, the basics of life as God has ordained it, the basics of life as God has established it, as he designed it and put it all into place in the book of Genesis. I still believe the book of Genesis. I believe the book of Genesis is a history book. I believe God inspired, I know that God inspired Moses to write the book of Genesis. I believe it as a literal book. I believe it as a book that is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And Moses wrote these things as God inspired him. The book of Genesis ties to everything else in the scriptures. Everything else in the Holy Scripture correlates back to the book of Genesis. And even the book of Revelation that has, is telling us about the future and prophesying things that are to come and that we're probably going to see happening in the near future, those things in the book of Revelation correlate and tie back to the book of Genesis. It's no wonder that the enemy has spent so much time and has invested so much time to try to undermine the validity of Genesis, but I still believe God created the heaven and the earth. Do you believe that? Say amen this morning. So we ask ourselves a, a question, how did we get here? I think there's a timeline maybe on the, on the next screen. And of course, that's a double question. How did we get here in terms of creation? God created us. But as a society today, I'm also asking us, how did we get to where we are today? A time when evil is called good. A time when good is called evil. A time when Christians in a lot of circles are considered to be bigots and haters and intolerant people. How did we get here? We've talked about this timeline several times. In this series right now, I've been looking at creation. And we're going to look at creation one more time this morning. But next week, we're going to look, Lord willing, at human life and biological gender. I never thought I would see the day where the concept of male and female is being challenged like it is challenged today. I still believe God created mankind, and he created them male and female. Amen. 
But that's being challenged, that's being undermined. Our very existence, our very biological makeup is being undermined and questioned. And then on Father's Day, the week after next, we're going to look at dads, moms, and families and how God has designed the family and how important that it is. You see, creation, as we have already talked, is not a scientific concept. Creation is a theological concept. In fact, if you go back and you look at the great universities like Yale and Harvard and Cambridge and some of them in the United States and in Europe, the first area of study that were in the original universities, prestigious universities, was theology. They started studying theology, theology being the queen of all studies. We have drifted a long ways. But I still believe that the guide for all truth, the guide for all life is found in the Holy Scriptures and is found in theology. And creation, for example, is a theological concept. I believe what God said about creation. Creation is something that should be accepted by faith. Oh yes, as we see this morning, creation does prove itself. Oh yes, we see evidence of God's hand and his handiwork all around us. But first and foremost, I accept what God did at creation by faith. I believe it, amen? I believe in an almighty God who spoke this world into existence. I believe in an almighty God who is powerful enough to say it and it happens. Speak it and it is created. I accept those things by faith. You see, when the word of God is preached, when things like these are proclaimed, the Holy Spirit touches our minds and touches our hearts and deals with us. And we know deep down that God's word is true. And then we must make a decision. Are we going to accept his word or not? The Bible proves itself. Creation proves itself. What do you mean the Bible proves itself? Anyone who would have a serious study of Scripture, a serious study of Scripture will see that the Bible from Genesis all the way through Revelation proves itself time and time and time again. It never contradicts itself. It fulfills everything that is prophesied thousands of years before. The Bible proves itself and yes, I accept creation by faith, but creation also proves itself. You see, creation shows us and demonstrates to us that there is a great designer, a great creator. We could walk out of this building this morning and we could see the beauty of God's creation all around us, couldn't we? Don't we live in a gorgeous place? Don't we, don't we live and work and move in such beauty? Can I say there is no chance, there is no possibility that all of this happened by chance. We see divine design everywhere we look. Even in the pew beside you. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, you're a divine design. Now if that's your spouse, you can say it and wink at them a little bit. Let your pastor give you some brownie points this morning. You are divine design. God Almighty, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, our Trinity God, God in three persons, designed this world. 
God the Father was involved, God the Son was involved, God the Holy Spirit, and he created this word with world with purpose and precision and potential. And I want us to see this morning that this God who created everything in this world wants to create new life in you and me. First, I want to look at purpose this morning. Purpose. There is a purpose. The, the reason for something. The, the reason for someone. The design, the plan, the intent, the motive, the purpose. You see, there is a prevailing plan. There is a purpose to all of creation. There is a prevailing plan. There is a purpose for you being created. You see, the enemy wants young people to think that there is no purpose for their lives. And that is why so many young people are making so many detrimental decisions. It's why we see a disvaluing of life in our society. It's why we have seen mass shootings where it ends in a gunman taking his own life at the end of it. Why? Because the enemy has fooled them and tricked them to believe that there is no purpose for their life. There is no purpose for the lives around them. But now more than ever, our young people need to know God created you for a purpose. Just as he created this great vast world and put it into motion and made it as a purpose and purposeful and designed it, he made you and I. We are unique. Every component of creation has a unique purpose. Every component of creation. When we establish that in our hearts and our lives, when we know that, then life has meaning. When we know that God created us, then our individual lives have meaning. I want to tell you this morning, every individual in this house today, your life has meaning. You are a handiwork of God, your creator. You were fearfully and wonderfully created and made. And God determined your days. God determined my days. And I'm not here by chance you're not here by chance. I'm not here by accident. You're not here by accident. But God determined the date of our birth. And we live here today because God put us here. Can I get an amen this morning? Let me read to you Genesis 1, 26 and 27, please. Then God said, let us. Now, when he's saying us there, this is God speaking to himself. This is the, the concept, the doctrine of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We believe in one God. We are monolithic, mono, monotheistic. We believe in one God, but God has three parts to him. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so when he is saying, let us make man, he is talking to himself and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit because each of them are agents of creation. And he said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. You may look like an ape this morning, but I look like God. <laughs> you may subscribe to the theory that we evolved from some little mass in the sea that later became a, an ape and then became us, but here I look like God. You look like whoever you want to look like, but I look like God. <laughs> I was created in his likeness. I was created in his image. There, 
there's too many complicated parts to me that it could have happened by chance and evolved. That is so unscientific, amen? Amen. Evolution is so unscientific when you look at it from a real lens of science. But I don't even need to look at all that. I believe God's word this morning. But I, right, see right here, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. You see, I'm not an animal. I know you think, well, I eat like an animal, but I'm not an animal. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Look at verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. Can you say that with me, male and female? Can we say that again, male and female? Can I say it one more time? Male and female. Male and female, he created them. Now, this is a beautiful thing this morning. It's a beautiful concept. It's a basic concept. It's the basics of life. But the enemy is robbing these things from our young people like we would not believe. Psalm 139, 13 and 14. Another passage that the world around us needs to hear. Another passage that our young people need to hear and understand how valuable they are as God's created. Masterpiece of creation. Verse 13 For you, for God, formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Look at someone and say, you're marvelous. You're marvelous. Do you know, can I, can I ask you a question this morning? Can I, can I ask you, do you know how wonderful you are? Do you really know how wonderful you are? Do you know how marvelous you are? Why are you so wonderful? Why are you so marvelous? Because of God. Because God made you that way. God made you in a fearful and wonderful way divine design and he puts you here for a purpose and that purpose is to glorify him and to live your life, to live my life for him and he created us and he calls us to be born but he also has a purpose for us that he wants us to be, hear me this morning, he wants us to be reborn. He wants us to be recreated. What are you talking about, pastor? Look at John 3, 6. A man by the name of Nicodemus who was searching for the meaning of life. An educated man, a religious man, a man who was wealthy. A man had had power and prestige, but he realized, yes, I'm a created being. I believe he knew he was fearfully and wonderfully made, but he knew something was missing on the inside of him. And he looked for Jesus and found Jesus by night. And he began to ask Jesus some questions And Jesus got right to the point with him. He said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. If you don't believe your flesh, pinch yourself this morning. I hate being pinched. I shouldn't use that example. Did anybody else hate being pinched? He said, don't pinch me. 
But we're flesh, we're flesh and blood, right? What is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is the spirit. And what I wanna convey to you this morning is God created you in the flesh, but he wants to recreate us in the spirit. He wants us to be born again. Can I ask you this morning, have you been born again? Have you been born again? Spirit is spirit. Have you allowed the Holy Spirit to draw you to Jesus Christ and find that new life that only comes through him? You see, as we go on down through John chapter 3, we see the most popular scripture ever probably. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but what have everlasting life. And then verse 17, he said, I didn't send my son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, through Jesus, might be saved. We have been created with a purpose, and that purpose will really, really, really begin in our lives when we ask Jesus Christ to save our souls, to change us, that we can be born Again, I ask you this morning again, are you born again? If you have never accepted Christ into your life and had what, what the theological term is, the regeneration experience, a change in your life, I urge you today, come alive. Find your purpose. And our purpose is knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. Not only in creation do we see purpose, but we see precision, precision. What is precision? When I thought about precision, I thought about a quarterback dropping back to make a pass and the receiver's down the field and there are two defenders coming up on the receiver, but with such precision, he's able to throw that ball and right into the hands of his receiver and pulls it in and takes it in to the end zone. I thought about Joe Montana and Jerry Rice, but that's a long time ago. Some, some of you might remember those 49ers, I don't know. But precision. I thought about precision when I think about a, a surgeon. And I know some of you, since I've been here, have had surgeries or procedures in the hospital. And the precision of that surgeon as he goes in to maybe work around a major organ or maybe work on a knee or a hip and, and precisely and exactly and accurately he does his work. But how much more precise is our all-knowing, all-powerful God of this universe? Can you think about that? As precise and exact and accurate as a good quarterback can be, as precise as a good surgeon can be, God is even more precise. He can get down into the very details of our lives. God knows more about me than I know about myself. Now, isn't that a scary thought? He, he has every hair of my head numbered. God is so precise and all-powerful God and all-powerful designer I've already said that the Bible proves itself. I've already said that creation proves itself. The preciseness, let me say it this way, of creation proves itself. The times, the seasons of creation, the preciseness, the systems of creation. Have you ever thought about all the systems that are in our body, all the systems that are in the bodies of animals, 
There is no chance that any of that developed because of chance. There is a hand, a divine designer who has created these things with preciseness. Psalm 19.1 says it this way. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. When I look into the skies, when I look into the heavens, I see the glory of God. But when I look here on the earth, the firmament, all those things around me, I see the handiwork of God. Romans 1.20 said it this way. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Being understood, watch this, by the things that are made. You see, we can look at the creation and it reflects the creator. We can see the things that he has made and it's like a mirror of understanding this great God who is so powerful yet so precise. Even his eternal power and Godhead. Now look at this last part. It really ties well with this series so that they are without excuse. Who's without excuse? I'm without excuse. Who's without excuse? You're without excuse. What what are are we talking about here? What do we mean without excuse? He's saying here that he has created this vast creation. And everything we see and everything we're part of, and deep down, we know that God is real. Can I say that again this morning? You didn't need me to come this morning to preach to you to convince you that God is real. Deep down, you know God is real. I believe the the strictest atheist, deep down, knows that God is real because God designed it that way. The the, The evidence of creation, or let me say it this way, the testimony of creation. But let me give you another testimony here that shows you that you're without excuse and I'm without excuse. Look at somebody and say, no excuses. No excuses. We have the testimony of creation, but we also have the testimony of our conscience. Did your mama ever tell you, always let your conscience be your guide? Anybody ever said that, conscience? Do you know we do have a conscience? Do you know who gave us our conscience? God gave us our conscience. How do we know early on, deep down, what's right and what's wrong? Conscience. How do we know very early on, even a child will do something wrong and then they feel guilty about it? Maybe they go hide in the corner or they cover their eyes. How do we know those things without even necessarily being taught? We have a conscience. God has created all of us with a conscience that knows right and knows what's wrong. So there's a testimony of creation. There's a testimony of our conscience that God has created us with. So you say, Pastor Greg, then why are so many people doing things that are are wrong? Why are so many people doing things that are even so contrary to the very nature that God intends for us? Because the Bible teaches us that we can sear our conscience. We can sear our conscience. We can resist our conscience. And sadly speaking, the Bible even teaches that we can go so far of resisting our conscience for so long and rebelling against what God has really put into us to know better, to know right and wrong, that we can be turned over to a lie to believe that lie. 
And I'm afraid that there are people in our civilization today, people in our society today that have resisted the God-given conscience for so long that God has finally said enough, I'm giving them over to that lie. The scripture says that they believe a lie and they are damned. I don't want to sear my conscience. How about you this morning? I want a godly conscience, a godly compass in my life, right and wrong that God has put on the inside of me. I want to look to the testimony of my conscience, knowing that God indeed created me and God indeed created me to be righteous, to try to do right, to try to live right. You see, we need the precise working of the Holy Spirit in our lives to go beyond just the conscience, but to change our very nature. Let let me preach right here this morning. You see, we have that conscience, and that conscience is guiding us. But just as I just talked about in purpose, I talked about Nicodemus being born again, coming to know Christ, that rebirth, that recreation. When you and I are recreated in Christ Jesus, the the, the term there is regeneration. When we have that precise working of regeneration in our hearts and in our lives, then he changes our hearts and our minds to become more like him. And that conscience and the Holy Spirit are both drawing us to that experience. You see, we know right from wrong and we know we need something beyond ourselves from our conscience. And the Holy Spirit begins to draw us to Christ and to that change. And then when we accept him, we are regenerated and our lives are changed because our hearts and our minds are changed. It's a beautiful experience. It's a beautiful recreation. Do you know Christ? Do you know him in the power of his regenerative work in your heart and in your life? Has he changed you? And the good news this morning, I came back all the way from Columbia to tell you. The good news this morning is Christ can change your life today and you can be regenerated and find your purpose for living. So we talked about purpose. We talked about precision. Let me close this morning talking about potential. Potential. Every person has God-given potential. What is potential? Potential is having the capacity to become or develop into something in the future. You see, I have potential to be a better person. I have potential to to be a better preacher. I have potential to, to grow and develop. You have potential. I believe we shouldn't stay right where we are in God, amen? I feel like we should grow. Shouldn't we grow? Shouldn't we grow? Shouldn't we develop? We have potential, But we've also been created with something called free will. Free will. You see, when God created you and when God created me, he didn't create us as robots. He didn't create us to just, you know, I'm gonna push a button, they're gonna do this, I'm gonna push another button, they're gonna do that, and we're gonna march like little soldiers and we're just gonna do. But God created you and I with free will. And we have the ability to make our own decisions, do we not? And 
With that ability then comes the consequences, whether they be good or, or bad. You say, well, why does God... has to be something we decide to do for ourselves. So if God had just created us just to worship, 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 then it would just be an automatic thing, but he wanted us to come to that decision ourselves. He wanted us to decide ourselves that we wanted to worship him. He wanted us to decide ourselves that we wanted to live righteously. So you and I are created with free will. Now that free will can make us scratch our heads sometimes, can it? Sometimes we can look around this world and we can say, why did they do that? Why do they act like that? Why did they make that decision? Maybe you've looked at somebody in your own family and you thought, oh my gracious, why did they do that? Because God gave them free will. God gave me free will. We can make our own decisions. God has empowered us to make our own choices. He has empowered us to make our own decisions. But we also live with the consequences or the rewards of those decisions. So I ask you this morning, how are you gonna apply your free will? I ask myself this morning, how am I gonna apply my free will? What decisions am I going to make since God has given me that power to decide? He has given me the power to decide, will I become a Christian or will I reject Christ? He has given me the power to decide, will I live righteously or will I live in an evil manner? But we must heed that decision. What a heavy decision with eternal consequences, amen? He has really given us the decision. Will we spend eternity with him in a place we call heaven or will we reject him and choose to rebel against him and spend eternity in a place called hell? You see, the decision lies with you and I this morning. The word of God doesn't change. The Holy Spirit is drawing us to him, but it is us who has to make that decision. We look at loved ones sometimes and we pray for God to save them. God, save them. God, save them. God, bring them to repentance. And we should pray that, amen? But God, in response to our prayers, will draw them through the Holy Spirit. God, in response to our prayers, will put somebody in their path, in their life, to talk to them. He'll put them maybe in a service like this to hear the word of God preached or to hear the word of God taught or somebody witness to them. But God will not force them to accept him as their personal savior. They, you, I, all of us must make our own decision. No wonder the writer said, choose you this day who you will serve. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, amen? So we have free will. And I say this morning, why don't we make the decision through our free will to let our lives start with God? I heard it said yesterday in a little speech, and the person was well-meaning and, and everything with what they were saying, but within their speech, they, they said, it starts with you. It starts with you. They looked at the graduates, and they said, it starts with you. And in all due respect, I sat there in my little um, camping chair and the sun beating down on the side of my head, and I thought, no, no doesn't start with you. My future, your future, doesn't start with you. It starts with God. It 
starts with God. And I want to, to, I want to tell you, young people that's in this house this morning, and every age of us that are here this morning, I want to tell you that if we want to find the dreams and the purpose and the, and the greatness that God has for our lives, it doesn't start within ourselves. It starts with God. It starts with coming to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and coming to understand that God has a purpose and a plan greater than we could ever imagine for our lives. It starts with God, his design and his plan and his purpose. But you and I, through our free will, have to decide to accept that. The beginning and the ending of life starts with glorifying God. It starts with with him. I want to read two passages before we close this morning. 2 Corinthians 5:17. Talking about creation and now we're talking about individual creation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things. Somebody say all things have become new. Do you want that in your life this morning? You see, I'm closing with that thought of potential. You and I today, we have a potential, if we haven't already done so, to begin a relationship with our creator through Jesus Christ. Can I say that again this morning? We have the potential to begin a relationship with our creator through Jesus Christ. Let me tell you another potential we have this morning. We have the potential to live a life of meaning and of purpose and of fulfillment. And thirdly, we have the potential to spend eternity in what John called the new heaven and the new earth. A potential to have a relationship with God through Jesus. A potential to live a life that is full of meaning and purpose and fulfillment. A potential to spend eternity with God and God's people someday. I think that's a pretty good opportunity. How about you this morning? I think that's a pretty good opportunity. Potential. Let me read one verse in closing. Revelation 21 and 1. Now I saw a new heaven... See, we're talking about creation. And let me make the point here. If we can't accept God's literal creation in Genesis, we're gonna have a hard time accepting his new creation in Revelation. If we don't know where we started, we're gonna have a hard time getting to where we're going. You see, it all works together. It all works together. Revelation 21 and one. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and also there was no more See, what am I talking about right here? What's John talking about right here? This is when God makes his final creation. This is when God puts everything back in order like it was supposed to be. You see, he created this world, but sin messed it up. But we see in Revelation 21 where God recreates it and he puts it all back into order. And I want to be part of that new heaven and that new earth. How about you this morning? In, John, in Revelation 21, I encourage you to read that chapter this afternoon. 
I could have taken a big squirrel trail. What do you call it? Rabbit trail. I could have taken a big rabbit trail right there, squirrel trail. I could have taken a big rabbit trail right there of Revelation 21 this morning when I started looking through it this morning and saw what John was writing about. When I saw that John wrote that God's tabernacle will be with man. His very presence will be with man. It blessed my heart. When I saw that he said he shall dwell with you and you shall dwell with him, I thought, Man, I could preach right there out of Revelation 21. Then I went on down through Revelation 21 and I saw where he said, there shall be no more death. I thought, wow, that'll preach. There will be no more death in that new city. Then he said, there shall be no more sorrow. Oh, I thought that would preach pretty good because sometimes we get pretty sad, but there will be no more sorrow in that city. And then he said, there will be no more crying. Oh, if I were preaching out of Revelation 21 today, I would tell you there will be no more crying in that city. Why? because he said God himself will wipe away all the tears from your eyes. What a great celebration. What a great new heaven and new earth that he is creating for you and I. Hallelujah. But I'm not preaching from Revelation 21 today. But boy, I could preach from there if I wanted to. Hallelujah. My God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Hallelujah. Are you going to be there? Are you coming with me? I don't want to miss it. I missed last week's meal. I don't want to miss this new heaven and this new earth and this new creation. Would you stand with me this morning? No more sorrow. No more death. No more crying. God himself shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. Oh, can you imagine what John saw? coming down from God out of heaven. I encourage you, read Revelation 21 today. It'll bless your heart. I believe God created everything in Genesis, and I believe in Revelation 21 when he's going to recreate everything. But until then, I believe he can create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me right here in the here and now. How about you this morning? I believe that he can create the life that he has for you and for me right here in the here and now. And I believe if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that he can create you again and make you a new creation in Christ Jesus. He who is born of the flesh is flesh, but he who is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Oh, praise the Lord this morning. Praise the Lord this morning. Can we just give the Lord a good hand clap of praise all over this building this morning? We thank you this morning, Lord. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. Hallelujah. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? God, we thank you today. We believe that you are the creator of all things. We believe the writings of of Genesis. We believe in an almighty, all-powerful God who spoke this world into existence. An almighty, powerful God, as the psalmist said, who formed us in the inward parts. And we are fearfully and wonderfully made. An almighty, powerful God who told Nicodemus in John chapter 3 that you must be born again, but then who promised us over in the Corinthians that he will create in us a new 
creation and make us a new creation in Christ Jesus. And we believe in a powerful creator God who in Revelation 21 is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Hallelujah. And we're looking forward to that time. We rejoice in that time knowing that the best is yet to come. Blessed be your holy name. And so Lord, right now we pray that if there's any watching online or if there's any in this building this morning that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, that the Holy Spirit and the power of the Word of God would draw them to yourself and that they would make that decision today knowing that today is the day of salvation. They would begin a new journey with you, the creator of this world, through Jesus Christ, your son. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege of preaching your word today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. This altar is open for you today. If you need to come and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the altar is open for you. If you want to kneel down right where you're at and ask Jesus Christ into your heart and life, go for it. Do it. If he's drawing you, come to him and be saved. If you need prayer this morning, this altar is open for you as well. Let's pray and worship.